Hello everyone, welcome to the Project Esports podcast. My name is Dylan, and this week we're going to be sitting down for a one-on-one interview with former collegiate leader, now streamer, Peter, aka Xenos King. Uh, hey everybody, I am Peter Lamb, aka Xenos King. Really into video games, uh, especially esports, and I've been around the scene for quite a while. Been playing video games all my life. Recently graduated from the Rochester Institute of Technology, where I was the first president and um, one of the founders of the esports organization there. And uh, after graduating, you know, now I'm doing a lot of streaming stuff, working on some side projects, and hopefully a. Uh, esports startup that that will help out the the amateur scene a lot so we'll talk about that later but that's that's basically what i got for now and peter i think i met you originally uh just online through just like collegiate esports i think it was probably in the summer um, when i was doing some of the work um that i was doing with uconnect and kind of got matched up because you were the rit guy but yeah so how was how was your time at rit and Tell me a little bit about just like starting up the esports scene there. Yeah, no problem. And uh, oh yeah, thanks for having me on the show, man. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, RIT esports. So it, it was a it was a wild ride for that to to get started. It took it took a while. So we weren't official until my senior year, which was kind of unfortunate. So I only had uh, the position uh, for a little bit, but I did a lot of the back end stuff, trying to get it working working with the school administrators and student government and whatnot, trying to get that all going. But before then, we had this, um, we still have the club. It's called the Electronic Gaming Society, and that was a big part of that. And that's where I did most of my esports stuff, hosting tournaments and trying to form teams to participate in, uh, you know, the online collegiate um, scene like CSL and whatnot. So that's that's kind of where it started with that club. And then eventually as we, you know, we saw other clubs, they started doing this. Um, they started having varsity programs. They started having an official esports club. And, you know, we thought we should follow suit too with our very own. And so for about uh, about two years, two years we were working on that. And then finally on the very last year, um, my senior year, we were able to get a lot of momentum going. We got... Uh, we got a lot of people behind it. Like students were really excited. Administrators were excited. Um, our, our school was kind of split into different colleges of different disciplines. So we got them behind our backs too. Like everybody was just super excited for it. We even got an intramurals uh, division for for esports games too. So we did HOTS first and then League of Legends. I think Overwatch is going to be the next one. And they're continuing with that um, ever since. And I'm excited to see where they're going to go with it. That's pretty impressive for just kind of starting up the club i know a lot of people that start up an esports organization it takes a long time from going from basically laying the the foundation to actually coming up with something um especially at like a university yeah there's a lot of red tape to go through a lot of uh, explaining a lot of education i feel like education is one of those things that are is like one of the most important parts that you got to touch upon, right? Because when you mention esports, I mean, all the younger kids, all of us college students, like we know, we know what it is. But then to the administrators, they're like, what? People play video games? People people make money playing video games? You get scholarships? Like, what is this? You know, you got to you gotta really educate them and um, kind of sell them on the idea that this is, this is a good thing. This is a good thing for students. And it's kind of like an up and coming, it, it's serious. It's a, it's a legit thing. I think that's probably the hardest thing to get across to administration is just telling them this is something that's just as important as some of the other sports that they have there because it really develops a lot of students. And yeah, a lot of people aren't going to 
you know, continue on with esports after college. But you can learn a lot of really valuable skills just working, you know, for the club or just like participating in club activities. Yeah, for sure. But we we were really lucky though that uh, RIT has its. I would say it's one of the nerdier schools. I think on on PC Gamer or or PC Magazine, we were voted like number one nerdiest school in all of the country because we uh, we host LAN parties all the time. Like we used to be on a trimester system, so we did like three LAN parties uh, every year, like with a hundred to about three hundred people participating. You know, we we had like humans versus zombies, which was like a thing we had with Nerf guns. I think that some other schools did that too. So we were very nerdy, and, and the fact, um, and because we were so open to that type of like you know um, nerd geek culture, whatever yeah. you may call it, we we didn't have a lot of, um, I guess like people that were opposed to the idea of having an esports organization open. Yeah, I guess that is is probably a good advantage of going to like RIT is you kind of have that base already of people who are super open to it as opposed to some, you know, like really big universities where they have to like really find their people and their kind of crowd to bring into the esports scene. Yeah, very very true. So, while you were um running the the esports organization there, how did you kind of see esports in the collegiate scene going and like it, did that kind of align to where um your expectations were where it is now or did you see it going in a different direction in a way i felt like collegiate esports was or still is playing catch up to i guess what we would call the professional scene right now right the mainstream esports because everything that we were doing eu i everybody else that's involved um you know in this collegiate esports scene we're we're kind of following the footsteps doing almost exactly the same things um people you know other guys uh were doing it before us you know, in the actual professional scene, we we had to form teams, we had to learn how to, you know, do practices, then, you know, of course, maybe we get some players who who didn't really like each other and had to learn about, you know, learn how to deal with student conduct and all of that. There was just a lot of learning that we had to do that was already done by uh, the people before us. And I thought that was very interesting, that we kind of, you know, took lessons from the past, apply it now, and then have a little collegiate spin on it. So it, it was, it, we were very uh, lucky that we, we had something to, to, I guess, pull up references on, you know, and learn from that. Yeah, kind of look at all the, the mistakes of the past and kind of try to build up on that. The analogy I always use whenever I talk to like up and coming leaders is staying on the shoulders of giants. Like that's what you, you know, what you should do. You should never keep starting over from scratch. You need to kind of look and, and see what was going on before and, and use that to learn and apply it to your current situation. Mm-hmm. And you can never grow without making those mistakes. So a lot of mistakes that did happen, um, they, they I, I see, I view them as happy mistakes. You know, any mistakes that people do, as long as you learn from them, I feel like it's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you, you make those mistakes, you always learn and grow as a person. So when you were in the collegiate scene, what was your like go-to game? Did you have like a main game or did you were you kind of just like a, a jack of all trades esports guy? Uh the main game that I participated in even during uh this whole startup process was Dota 2. I've been playing that game since 2007 and that is the game that brought me into the esports scene that got me very interested in like just exposed, you know. Uh, then this was all started with the very first international when Dota 2 was um, announced. 
back in 2011. And it just blew my mind. You know, I watched my first competitive match, uh, Navi versus uh, MYM. Uh, and it was casted by Togi One. It was a legendary, legendary game. Very fun to watch. And then ever since then, I fell in love. So when I went to college and when I figured CSO was a thing, we got all the best players, which were by then my friends. Um, and then we just competed. And then I figured, hey, League of Legends is doing this too. Counter-Strike is doing this too. You know, so it's Hearthstone and StarCraft. We got to get all these people together and we got to start playing it. But Dota was my main game for, for the longest time. I was always really jealous of of schools that had a good Dota scene because uh, Penn State never was able to gain any traction with Dota. Um, I don't know if this kind of bled over into your your school's culture, but the Dota guys were really kind of um, this really small but like really strong community that always kind of stuck to themselves and just like played tons and tons of games. And I started playing Dota a little bit when it I think it was in like beta on Steam. When I played mm-hmm. it, and I played it for off and on for you know next couple of years, but that that scene is is quite something. Oh yeah, it's I, I feel like it's the same way for like all the colleges. I was actually the the founder and the president of the Dota Two Club um, at my school too, so I knew I knew all the Dota guys there, and we were small, but you know we we were all super close with each other, and we play games all the time, and it, it was a very nice community to be to be a part of. So I know on your stream you play a lot of fighting games. When did you start getting into the FGC? Um, I guess I guess the very start of it would be... Okay, so I guess there's two perspectives on this. I was always a part of the FGC because I grew up playing fighting games. Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, uh, Virtual Fighter 2 for the Sega Genesis was my first one. And I was only two years old. I've been playing Tekken and all those games, like every single iteration of whatever game, like I've gotten all of it. So I've always been playing it. But in the, the actual community, I got interested and it was about last year. That was my first Evo that I've ever been to. And then my brother was already kind of into it. He was showing me some streams, showing me Evo moment, you know, 37 Daigo versus Justin Wong, that that legendary moment right mm-hmm. there. Uh, you know, and, and after that, I was like, wow, this is cool. This is legit. Like I've been playing fighting games my whole life and there are other people who share this passion as well. And, and the moment that I really became like fully converted was this year's Evo, you know, Evo 2017, or I guess it was last year's now, right? We're in 2018. And that's when I actually went to the arena to watch live the finals of, of games. There was Blaze Blue, Marvel, Smash, Tekken, and Street Fighter. And when Street Fighter came along, I mean, the arena was kind of empty. It was, it was like half full, maybe like maybe like 45% full, up until Street Fighter came in, and the whole place got packed. And they always save Street Fighter for last. It was just crazy, the hype that you felt in the arena. And like it was crazy. I lost my voice screaming, watching Evo, um, watching the finals. And it, it was just so much fun. And ever since then, I became a huge fan of fighting games. I've always wanted to uh, you know, get better at it. And now I found a, a local community here in Vegas too, and I've been um, trying to be more an active part active member of the las vegas fighting game community nice i i was always really uh really wanting to go to evo because it's just it's just so hype i just love seeing the finals of, of street fighter where everyone just piles into the room and like all the players like there's not enough chairs so they just like sit on the floor in the front and they're just like popping off and screaming and there's always like some dude with a bunch of money taking bets and stuff and side just, bets yeah, the yeah, side yeah. Bets. <laughs> um I started playing fighting games uh, with Street Fighter 4. Um, I think 
think it was uh, 2012. Yeah, 2012. One of my friends uh, came up and um, I, I've never played fighting games before that. I mean, I played like Smash like with friends uh, like a long time ago, but I was never into fighting games. And I come from like a, a StarCraft background. Okay, so, so you're familiar with the 1v1 aspect. Exactly. And I was like really starved for a 1v1 kind of uh, competitive game. And one of my friends was like, hey, yo, we should play Street Fighter. And he, like, showed me, like, some videos. And the same exact thing is he, like, showed me, like, the Evo moment and stuff like that. And instantly it was like, this is so hype. This is awesome. And I, the the FGC is incredible. Like, it it definitely is. I, I, I understand why people for sure separate it from esports because it just has, like, such a different feel to it. Um I guess probably because of its like the the whole grassroots aspect of it, which is something that I'm starting to see a little bit less of in esports is kind of the grassroots aspect, and I guess that's kind of where the collegiate scene comes in. Um, but besides that, I mean the the FGC is really holding it down with that. So how how is the local scene by you? Uh, local scene right now it's slowly growing. You know, there are Tekken guys. There's some. I'm I'm a mainly a Marvel player now ever since Infinite came out. You know, and there's a good amount of us. Um, Smash is huge. Smash is really, really big in in Vegas. You know, Street Fighter is it's been kind of dead. You know, obviously there's there's drama with the way Capcom is handling some games, unfortunately. But with the release of uh, AE coming soon, which is an arcade edition for some of you guys who don't know what that is, um, everybody's getting hyped for games again. You know, everyone's getting hyped for uh, Capcom games in it. And then we got Dragon Ball Fighters coming out in like 19 days or something like that, even wait. less than that. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. Um, so it, it's good. And I, actually, I do want to touch upon what you were talking about, if that's okay with you, about the grassroots thing. Because, yeah, I, I do feel, unfortunately, that's um, it, it kind of has been been fading a little bit. Just just a little bit, you know, with all of these um, publishers, developers, whatever, probably both, um, trying to take control of the whole scene and, and implementing their own leagues, right? So we have Riot with the LCS. We got Overwatch with the Overwatch League. And uh, I could definitely see how grassroots is is kind of you know being not as much there as it as it used to be with other games. Um, but I think that's the thing that separates fighting games, like you said, is definitely the grassroots feeling of it. And I feel like for a lot of games, they, they you still get that feeling, but then you get more of it in fighting games because you have to be there physically to play. You know what I'm saying? When you when you're playing all these other online games, even StarCraft. You, you could play from your home. You don't really talk to your opponent. Uh, if you play a team-based game, you know, you don't really have your teammates for all too long. And then when you go to a, 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 a just a, a local fighting game scene and you're playing, you make friends. You're, you're physically talking. You're chatting. You're shaking hands. You're laughing. And and whenever, after your match, you're just like, oh, hey, you know, you could have done that better. Or, oh, if you want some tips, like, do that. And then you run sets. And I think that's why fighting games are so special because of, of the physical aspects of you actually being there. And, and that that human interaction, it just it's so special to that scene. Yeah, that's something that just... It just doesn't translate with online games because you can't you can't just get that personal connection with people. It just it's just so amazing to be able to just sit down physically right next to the person and you can just like hear them pressing all their buttons and stuff like that. It just it 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 is really an experience. For sure. I completely agree with you. So you've been playing a lot of Marvel and how how are you finding that game? Do you like Marvel? 
I like Marvel a lot. I, I'm a very positive guy. Some people actually get annoyed at me sometimes that I'm that, I'm that positive. Um, and I know in the beginning, Marvel got a lot of hate because uh, the character roster was probably very lackluster to some people. You know, no X-Men characters. Uh, the graphics, not as pretty. The, the music score, the, the maps and everything. Yeah, it's not, it's not as good as other games. I, I, I will admit that. But the gameplay, the gameplay is what I'm there for. And it is solid. It is a very, very fun game to play. And it's not like everyone's doing the same thing. Because of the way the game is built, the, the mechanics and everything, you, you get to be very creative uh, with your play style. Even though you play, like, I play Dante Strange. And um, I've met another team, another guy online that plays Strange and Dante. And we play it completely differently. And, and the, that's, like, how awesome is that? That you could have different play styles even when you have the same team. It's crazy. I love the game. Okay, that's pretty good because that is a concern in some fighting games of where you just have the top tiers and it's the same thing over and over and there's kind of a right way to play it. So that is that is good to hear that it's not super strict, like everyone can have their own play style. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. Did you play Marvel 3 or is this your, your first time playing a Marvel game? So... I played. I've been playing Marvel games or like versus games since since like Children of Adam that came out for like oh, the God. Sega Saturn, I believe, and then X Men versus Street Fighter, Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter, Marvel Superheroes, and, and like it just down the line. So I played all of them. I've been a huge uh, versus fan like forever. Okay, so how do you how do you feel about those games versus just uh, kind of like a one character versus one character like in in Street Fighter? Hmm. From my and I, I could get this wrong because I'm still very new to the um to the fighting game community, and sometimes my analysis or the way I view things are are not like how other people view it. But from what I see, um, versus games uh, are a lot more chaotic, right? You get the switching, you get the assists, um, you have multiple characters flying around the screen, big level threes. You have a lot of air dashing, air movement, and and it's a lot more chaotic and crazy. Um, you know, more more reflex based. I, I might want to add, but when you play more grounded games, I feel like like Street Fighter and Tekken, you really got to think about your moves. You got to really pace yourselves and play patiently and see what the other person does. You know, it's kind of like a little back and forth, um, less chaotic. But it, it's 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 a very different feeling. But both are very fun to play. It's just it depends on what I feel like at the moment. You know. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I always found, I. I... I do like the just single character aspect of of Street Fighter because like Street Fighter is like my fighting game. It's the one I definitely play a lot of, but it is really interesting just to see some of these um, these multi character games because it seems like they're more. I don't know how to put this, but like they really go in on some of the combos, like the like the full bar combos that you can just like wipe the other character out because you're not worried about you know like doing a single combo and like winning the whole round it's you have a couple characters so they can kind of really go all in with with combos yeah 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 i forgot about that yeah the combo system is very different you know you do when you street fighter you know you get a couple of hits in maybe like all the way up to six maybe seven and then you know they fall on the ground reset back to neutral game or maybe you'll be a little bit more aggressive go with the meaty 
and then uh, uh, you know, you just kind of like go back and forth, back and forth, right? Yeah, with with Marvel or those type of games. Once you get hit, and if if opponent does like a crazy combo and kind of mixes you up and do a reset, well, you're going back in that loop all over again, and maybe you might not even like be able to, like you're trying to not let the opponent play. That's what K. Brad said. You you're, in Marvel, you're trying to be as cheap as possible, and you're trying to not let the opponent play the game. So it's very it's a very uh very weird thing to say, but it's very true. No, no, no. I I think that's a that's a good point. And that totally makes sense. Um, someone had it, someone explained to me that like it's kind of it's very similar. So though you get different characters and they play a little bit differently. So if you think about Street Fighter, basically if you're kind of like on a higher end, it's kind of like three good combos and you're 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 dead, right? And in like Marvel, well at least Marvel three, I'm not super um, up to date on Infinite, but like Marvel three, you had three different characters, you can basically just wipe a character with one really big combo. And it's kind of the same deal. So in Street Fighter, you get a combo, you know, it gets kind of neutral. And then you you do that three times and they're dead. The same thing kind of happens in Marvel, except one third of the health bar is just a character. So yeah, he was just like trying to explain to me of how like, they're actually like super similar in in that aspect. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in in Marvel 3, though, there was a, a thing um, called Touch of Death. And basically, once you get touched, you get infinite comboed. And that, that was, like, not fun to play at all. So in Marvel Infinite, they, they changed that up a bit. They made it so infinite combos were basically not possible anymore. And there's counter switching. So, like, if you have a bar... No, no, if you have two bars, and um, if you're getting attacked and you're, you keep on, you know, you keep on getting comboed, if you hold the tag button, you could tag out. And so it would it would basically stop the opponent's combos, and it, you could reset to neutral, basically. Or even if you get comboed way too long, your character would just spin out. It won't it won't happen. Okay, so it's a little bit. It seems a little bit more interactive than just oh, I got I got hit. Time to put down the controller for a second. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So that's why I like about Infinite a lot more than three. You could do there's a lot more back and forth going. There's more chances to play the game. And so this is the game that you've been mostly streaming, right? Mm-hmm. Or yep, do you, that, or do you stream, or do you kind of switch it up with Dota a lot? Uh, I do Dota more during the nights because I know not a lot of people watch Dota. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I I, I know the truth. Dota is a hard game to to watch if you don't play the game. Not a lot of people will get what's going on. But I still crave Dota, and I do want to share my love of Dota to to people. So I, I stream it more during the nighttime because during the mornings when I stream Marvel, it's easier for me to find opponents then. So how long have you been streaming? Ooh, that's a good question. Since September, I believe. Okay, so you're kind of new to the the whole streaming game. In a way, I've been I've been on and off streaming since like since like 2013. <laughs> I, I I used to try to stream like I always had these spurts. Every single time I go to PAX, I meet all these amazing people, all these amazing players, all these amazing streamers, and I'm like, damn, I want to be like them. You know, like this is fun, this is cool, I like it, community. It's it's, and I tried doing it while I'm at school, and it just becomes so hard to keep up. So I've been on and off for a very long time. So I'm very familiar with streaming. And now that I've graduated, you know, I'm on my own time now. I, I, I could do whatever I want with my own time. I don't have classes. I don't have homework or anything like that. So I decided to finally, you know, I was like after the summer, I was like, all right, I'm going to take streaming seriously. And uh, I worked really, really hard on that. Streamed every day, kept a consistent schedule, had a following, you know, did all the social media. And after about a month and a half, I finally, I finally got uh, after TwitchCon. Actually, yeah. So TwitchCon was in October. So after a month and a half, I finally got an affiliate, which is uh, this, where I got the sub button. 
So that nice. that was a milestone for me. And then uh, you know, next thing I'm going for is obviously partnership. And you know, I'm I'm not streaming to like like other people. I'm not trying to become like a, a super full time streamer where that's my job, but I want to do it as much as possible where it's kind of like a, a part time job where I could build build a community, share my passions, and also help other people grow as well. That's kind of my goal with the whole streaming thing. Okay. And so what are some of the things that you kind of picked up in these couple months of starting to stream and kind of build your your own brand? So the first thing I had to learn the hard way was to not get discouraged when you have nobody in your chat. Because this, and this is where it comes in, you know, you always hear people like, don't do it for the money or like, you know, when they, do, when they talk about anything, don't do it for the money, do it because you love it. And if you, and, and, and before I had the wrong mindset, like way before, like a couple of years ago when I was streaming, you know, and I did not have fun at all while streaming. You know, I was always looking at the number. I was always paying too much attention to it. And I would always get really upset. Not, you know, not like, like really, really upset, but I always get kind of like depressed when nobody would come in. And so uh, it didn't feel worth it to me, you know, but this time I was like, you know what? I play games anyways. I'm just going to stream, right? If I play games, I'm going to stream. That was my rule. And then there's also an option where you could click on the number, the viewer count, and it would just like hide it. So hide the viewer count. So you don't pay attention to that and just only pay attention to the chat. If someone says hi, you say hi back, you know? And then with that came the second hardest thing for me to do. Cause when I play games, I'm a very quiet person. I don't, I'm not a very loud, active person when I play, cause I concentrate very hard. Um, and so that would like, I have to learn to talk to myself. I have to learn to commentate my own gameplay. What, uh, my, uh, what, what a lot of people call it is like your inner monologue, you know, just whatever comes to mind, just, just say it. And, and that, that has helped me, uh, gain a lot of viewers. Cause you know, when they come in, you don't know when they come in. So when they come in, you always got to be on, you always got to have something to say. You got to attract people to the stream, you know, and, and I love educating. I love teaching people. Um, about, you know, whether it be Dota or fighting games. And so always when I play, I'm always trying to like give hints or talk about what I'm going through and my thought process on how to improve. And hopefully people can kind of pick up on that and learn as well. I think, I think that's probably a really good bit of advice is not paying attention to the, the viewer count because it's just so hard because it's right there. I, I know, I know you can hide it, but it's, oh, it's so hard not to click on it and, and just kind of keep, keep like an eye on it whenever you're streaming. Yeah, it gets very discouraging when you look at it too. You're just like, it's zero. It's been zero for two hours now. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I I check out your stream every once in a while. I pop in because fighting games I like to watch fighting games. Oh, thank you. So your stream looks really nice. Did you do all of your your own graphics and everything? Is that something you were familiar with before? Mm-hmm. Actually, before I switched to a business major, I was in a major called New Media Interactive Development. And during the first year of that, we we had to take graphic design courses. So that's where I became very familiar with uh, photo editing and uh, you know design concepts, basically. Very basic concepts of design, how to make things look good, appealing to just people's eyes, um, color theory, stuff like that. And you know, I, I like to learn a lot. So I, I, I read all this on my own time anyways. I'm always reading. I'm always learning. And and so I look up YouTube tutorials and whatnot and I just I made them on my own. That's it's pretty good because like uh, I, you go to a lot of streams and they're just pretty abysmal. There's a lot of that are just either really abysmal and have it's a, a lot of people just have like too much going on sometimes whenever they do it or they just have, you know, not not a very good setup. But everything seems pretty, pretty clean. And even like you, you have graphics, but they're all like nice and concise and they make sense. 
Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I tried to. At least I know that, that it's actually working. <laughs> <laughs> the the one part I always do like about uh, streams is whenever they have like the little the little chat on them in in a in a good spot because uh, Streamlabs seems like it makes it really easy just to throw everything on there, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. So yeah. I've seen so many streams that just like go into Streamlabs and just like throw stuff on their stream. That's yeah, that's a thing I, I notice a lot, even when it comes to just regular design. Like when people when people try to make their own logos and stuff like that, they're like, okay, we gotta get the gradients on there, we gotta do drop shadows, make this out bolded outline. They like, you know, it's like they try to put all the bells and whistles on there, but sometimes like simplicity is the best. You 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 that's when you like you wanna have a balance of form and function. You want it to look nice, but you want it to look nice enough to where the you get the point across and that's it, not too much. You know, it's like cooking. You add, you just add the right amount of spices, you know, or sauce. You add too much, and it, it just overflows your mouth with too much stuff, and then you can't enjoy the food. Yeah, I, that's a good analogy. So, streaming now, I think, is probably easier than it's ever been. Obviously, just because there's so many tools out there to make something good, that everyone kind of does it. So, how did you kind of? break out of that that very low zone so i know we talked about like talking and all that um but did you find reaching out on social media kind of brought you out of that super low in the weeds like no viewers into into the positive of having some viewers well i i wouldn't actually say that i've broken out of that no viewer zone yet i still get those days where where you just get nobody watching you you know maybe one person pops in and that's like my brother you know having friends that support what you're doing, first of all, is is really, really helpful. So like whoever's free, just like, hey, you know, can you just come watch my stream, hang out? And then, um, you know, advertising it on social media obviously helps a lot. The hashtags help. If you want to spam it, uh, your personal Facebook page, some people, if you have a lot of gamer friends, you know, that's also pretty cool too. Uh, another tip is clipping your, your interesting parts. And, you know, this is a little bit of self-maintenance. You you know you kind of you 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 play the games and if something like really hype very interesting happens you you write down the you know the time that it happened right you go back you look at it you clip it you share it you know so people know what your stream's about people know you know the hype moments of it it's kind of like a highlight reel it gets people interested and 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 uh, always you know always just trying to stay positive when you're when you're doing it so yeah and and even though I've gone up to like twenty eight viewers before and I've been hosted for like fifty. 60 viewers before i've I've also gone down to zero just like just the other day i was only getting two people on my stream but that's okay and you gotta be okay with that in order to continue to progress highs and lows that's what life is about i i i like your positive attitude on it um i feel like there's a lot of people try to build their their own personal brand on kind of negativity sometimes and i mean sometimes it it, it works there's a lot of top streamers like um just because he's like super big today like uh tyler one tyler one yeah oh god yeah like yeah. like his whole deal was like he was super toxic whatever and like i feel like a lot of streamers also try to follow that in a way um so it, it it's nice it's nice to have someone that's super positive about it and and that's kind of like their personality is like they're just positive about things because i feel like we don't have a lot of n- not a lot of streamers that are just you know, super upbeat like that. 
Yeah, there there are a lot of them. You just got you just got to find them. And I, I feel like it's okay to have those really negative streamers too, because once in a while they're pretty funny to watch. And yeah. uh, the the way I like to go about my life, you know, my motto is like there's there's balance in everything, right? So if everyone was all upbeat and positive, like it would be kind of boring to be honest. Like it'd be nice, but it'd be kind of boring. You know, once mm-hmm. in a while you need that drama, you know. But then too much of it, and you get really tired. You're like, guys, can you just shut up? Like, <laughs> I need something nice to, you know. So it's it's a good thing to have that balance. Yeah, for sure. So besides streaming, do you have any any projects that you work on? Um, I know you did host um, some shows in the past. Are you currently hosting anything? Uh, yeah. So I we took a long hiatus for uh, the Fog of War, which is an esports show that me and uh, Adam Bao does. Adam is from. Uh, um, Oh my god, I forgot the name of the school. I just, I've been sick. Rutgers, yeah. yeah. For so, I was about to say RU, and I was like, what does the R stand for? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Adam. I've been very sick lately. Um, side side note: after New Year's, I, I literally got a um, a stomach virus that lasted for like two days, oh, and then awful. after that, I got like a fever. And so, and, and my stomach is still not feeling good, so I'm recovering from that. So I'm like, I've been very tired. Well, all lately. of it just back to back yeah exactly and it just keeps on coming but i'm getting better now so i feel better uh but yeah adam and i have been doing fog of war for for a while now and we've absolutely enjoyed um the show and we would love to have you some on on sometime too dude. just just come on whenever uh you're free when 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 we're doing the live show and we'll just talk esports man like that's what yeah. we like to do you know we I, I live with i live with some people who who yeah they they know about esports but then sometimes they're not always up to talk about it and i just want to talk about every little mm-hmm. news that we hear you know and it's just so much fun. So we've been on a break with that because Adam has school. I've been, um, I've just been, I got into a, a, you know about the car thing? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I got, I got hit by a car. So I just been recovering too. <laughs> you, you're just like having a, just a string of just getting hurt and sick. Yeah, so I was just like, I'm like, um, and I, you know, I just, I was like, all right, let's take a break for this. Let's come back 2018. Let's go really, really strong. And so this Wednesday, or uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna come back and do the show, and we're just gonna get you know get back to normal things. I got some plans in mind for improving the show as well, uh, you know, adding adding more to it and just improving it, making it just overall more enjoyable for people to watch and mm-hmm. us to do. And then I have this huge huge project that I'm currently working on, and um, it's primarily with the Dota scene right now because every other game has their own thing going on. But this is for the amateur teams because at one point I tried going pro in Dota 2 with my brother. And it was really hard. Not only because it was hard to get good at the game, like that's just that's just one thing, right? Getting better at the game is 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 hard when there's no support for it. Like we would try to find scrims. Um, you know, there's no one place to find good scrims. Time zones were all over the place, skill levels were all over the place, people would flake, no one would take it seriously. Amateur leagues were not that organized at all. Admins didn't really care. It's it's just, it was a total mess. And I'm like, you know, and after a while, I was like, okay, I can't do the pro thing anymore because one, I got I to gotta find a job. I got to make some money and whatever. And it's not very viable for me at the moment, you know. So maybe for my brother because he's still younger than I am, but I'm the oldest one, so I want to try to take responsibility. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's, let's do something about this issue. And so what I'm working on right now is a platform or amateur Dota 2 teams um, to, to help them find scrims. And I'm going to start up an amateur league too. I don't, I, do you know anything about the Counter-Strike scene, like 1.6 way back in the day? Yeah, I know a little bit about it. Have you heard of Cal? I need a bit of a refresher. 
Cyber Athletics Amateur League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a big thing back in the day, and it worked really well. Even even my cousins who weren't really like that into competitive gaming, they played in it, and that's what that's where everyone went to. They created teams. They played in Cal. It was a two season per year thing. It was great for the Counter Strike scene, you know. And now you got Sevo, you got ESL, you got ESEA. Um, so they they got their own thing now. But Dota doesn't have any of that, and I wanna I wanna create that for Dota, a place for teams to compete, to learn, to grow. And and you know be be positive too because you know with mobile games, man, they can be pretty tough to be around. You know, super toxic. Oh oh yeah, but when you get the nice people, like it feels good to be a part of that community too. I've I've seen it, so I know it's there, and that's what I'm working towards right now. I'm working towards on building this platform, and I'm working on helping these amateur teams with dreams to go pro, and help them to achieve that dream. Uh, so is your platform basically just focusing on setting up uh, season-long leagues, or is there other things that are going to be implemented into it? For now, we're going to keep it simple. We're going to do season-long leagues. We're going to have a, a thing. Um, you know, I'm still trying to set up a system, like maybe a calendar system or something like that, um, where people can find scrims within the right time zones with the, the, right, you know, with the correctly skilled teams help moderate that and everything so that's yeah that's what i'm working towards now and then later later well i i have a lot of connections um well i have, I have a good amount of connections within the industry and i want to start talking to you know to these guys and be like all right so this team is doing really well right now i want to i want to help these guys participate in the big leagues you know i want to get these guys sponsored i want to introduce new new blood into the scene uh, essentially and um, you know, help them maybe get picked up by another team as like an academy team or a B team or something like that. You know, so I want to not only provide a place for them, but I also want to kind of guide them towards towards becoming professionals. Okay, so kind of like a like a league that you can kind of grow and foster their their skills, get them the experience they need playing against other players, and then hopefully propelling them out of that league into you know something. Uh, something higher up and bigger. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. I like that. I, I like the idea of it. It sounds it sounds really cool and really interesting. And I think that's one of the things a lot of people probably don't have a lot of skills in is they play solo queue and maybe they might play with some of their friends. But there is a severe lack of just sitting down and just playing like a tournament style or just like a league. Because it definitely is very different than just hopping on the ladder. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, everybody, there were in-house leagues and stuff like that in the past. But unfortunately, like, it was just all solo-based. It was all solo-focused. Everyone came in. You know, it was like matchmaking for solo teams. But, but like, that's not the point of Dota. It's a team-based game. You know, so I, so the whole thing when I was writing it up, it was always, there's no, there's no you, there's no I, there was no, in the, you know, there was no individuals. It was only teams. And that's all I wanted to focus on teams right now with the dota scene do you feel like it's just really top heavy and they don't have a really good strong lower league community going on right now yeah it's pretty top heavy mm. everybody's focused on 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 the pros every everybody who's creating a tournament basically they want to do it for the pros because there is some money to be to be made in the in the scene you know um but yeah no one's really paying attention to the little guys and in order for Dota to continue growing and succeeding, I feel like you need to pay attention to the little guys because where the, it, per, everyone starts there. 
So for the Dota scene, what does it look like for someone to actually break into, you know, playing at the highest level? So I know in Hearthstone, there's kind of avenues that go about it of where you play ladder and you place really highly on the ladder and you can earn points and then eventually go to like big tournaments like BlizzCon. Um, but I know there's a lot of games out there like League of where it's it's really hard to break into the pro scene. So what is how, how does Dota 2 kind of handle that? And is, is there even a viable path? for anyone to kind of aim for when going pro at the moment the most there's two paths that you can take one you have a very good team of very high skilled players that play and and you play in these big tournaments these prestigious ones they always have open qualifiers and you just beat everybody but one that's really hard to do right like like just like the problem of of yeah you're a high skilled team but you have no one to practice against no one knows you no one knows who you are and you don't you can't find people to practice against you know and if you and so you gotta have friends, you gotta have, be friends with the pros, and you gotta have connections to set up these scrims and stuff like that. And they gotta deem you worthy enough to scrim against you, you know. So how are you ever gonna get to that level, um, uh, you know, in, in order to uh, unless you have good practice, or you could be a solo player like one of the one, you know, one of the most well-known players, Sumail. He just played the game, he played an in-house league and got up really, really high in the ladder. He got he was high MMR player. You know, and somebody and somebody, uh, oh, evil geniuses needed needed another player, and they're like, you know what? Let's go for this guy. I've seen this kid play. I'm about for him. Let's have him try out, and and just you get noticed by either being really good, or or you are really good, and you as a team, and you and you beat them, and that's like the two best ways you can do it right now. But you but you notice those ways are really 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 hard to do. Yeah, it seems like uh, basically you're just telling a lot of players like. Hey, yeah, good. It, yeah, it's like, hey, here's this lot. Go in the lot with your friends and and just play baseball, and hopefully you get picked up by a pro team. Like, like it just seems like there's such that there's like such a big gap to overcome, and it just, I I think the little like leagues like like what you're trying to trying to bring up for amateurs is super super important actually for just developing all those skills. And for by sure. by the way, have you seen uh, Sumail's uh, like? small documentary-esque thing that Evil Geniuses put out? Was it the one by ESPN or was the one literally by Evil Geniuses? Oh. Or I know, and I also know E-League was, was doing one too on Evil Geniuses. Evil Geniuses is all like everywhere in terms of documentaries. So I have seen a couple of them. Yeah, I it might have been the one by ESPN, but it's just basically, it's just like a super, super short video of just like talking about him and like how he, like how he came up in Dota and just like about him moving to go play and how his family is like super supportive of him. Yeah, he was literally just a kid in Pakistan going to PC cafes, playing with his older brother or younger brother. I forgot which one it was, but and that's all he did. And he just got really good at it. When he came to the US, he continued playing and there we go. Just got discovered. Like there was a best example of just getting good, you know? Very talented kid. If someone wants to come up through amateur leagues and into pro scene, is there any kind of tips that you would give to to someone who wants to pursue that? Oof, I, like, like I, what's what's a good thing to kind of aim their sights at and and to work on? I would say teamwork. I would say teamwork and stability. You know, I I feel like it's possible for anybody to get good at a game, but but that's just that like that's a that's a given. You know, 
Um, when it comes to Dota, the, the biggest problem I've seen with teams is that they cannot stick together or they cannot get along. Too many egos, especially when you put a bunch of good players together, you usually get huge ass egos and everyone has a different view on how the game should be played. And there's not enough, there's not enough focus on, on, on building a strong team or having a good team leader. You know, it's, it's, it's so individualized, like, oh no, I'm a good player. I'm a good player. Like. No, we should be a good team. So focus on the team. Focus on getting to know each other. Like become friends first before teammates and then and then get good together. Be your own support group, you know, and, and that's how you guys will succeed. I think that's that's pretty good advice. So I think on that note we'll wrap it up here. Thanks so much, Peter, for sitting down and, and talking with me. If you want to go ahead and plug all your social medias and, and tell everyone about your stream go ahead okay well thank you again for having me on this uh on the, on the show it's really fun to just talk about video games and esports again it's been way too long so thank you for that absolutely and uh yeah you guys can find me on twitter at xenos king x-e-n-o-s king um that's like if you just look up that name on twitter on facebook youtube uh twitch I'm I'm on all those platforms and I stream every morning um on the week on the weekdays at from like 10 or 11 a.m. depending on when I wake up till about the afternoon and I stream a lot of Marvel and at nighttime usually when I'm a bit more free and not working on anything I'll be streaming some Dota 2 but yeah that's where you can find me. All right, awesome. Thanks again, Peter. No problem. And thank you too. And that does it for this week for the Project Esports podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe or follow. Even just sharing this podcast with someone really, really helps us out a lot. And we have new episodes out every Monday morning. So if you subscribe, you'll get that just in time for the commute. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week.